Hello world from Octopost headquarters. This is Radically Transparent, Octopost's original podcast show on B2B Marketing Now. I'm your host today, Jennifer Gutman, Director of Social Strategy. And in most episodes of this podcast, we feature B2B marketing leaders who share their radically transparent truths behind being a modern day marketer and what it takes to grow ideas, take risks and impact change. Joining me on this episode of Radically Transparent is Mike Dickerson, CEO of Click Dimensions. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, Jen, how are you? Doing great, doing great. Uh, here in Tel Aviv, you may have heard we just got out of lockdown, so we're quite excited. <laughs> um, and I really thank you for joining the show. Um, I know our audience is thrilled for this episode. They know a lot about our partnership. Uh, we're going to dive into it. But I thought to begin with, I was going to open with an easy, radically transparent question and hoping, knowing that you have quite the background, right, with 25 years experience in the technology industry and and specialties and growth strategy and new business development, um, organizational transformation, which is a huge buzz today uh, in global management. I really couldn't think of anyone better to be leading Click Dimensions and on our show today. So would you be able to give us a radically transparent yet brief look into your professional journey and, and how you found yourself as CEO of Click Dimensions? Sure. Uh, well, there's there's two ways to tell the story. The simple story is that Excel KKR, one of the top performing private equity firms of uh, the last 20 years, found me through a recruiter. And I was part of an executive team of a New York Stock Exchange firm that we had taken private in 2015. So I had some experience with private equity investors. But I'd also run uh, an email marketing business for several years. And I had some experience in two different companies partnering with and competing with Microsoft, which was um, an important part of this story. So that's the simple story. The more fun story has to do with underwear. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we want to get radically transparent about underwear. Or we want to save that for a different episode. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, uh, I can save that. I can save that for later. But it's a good story. Sounds good. We'll we'll check back in there. Um, so with that, as you know, uh, and many of our listeners know, the famous question we ask every guest, um, and I'm going to ask it to you now, Mike. What keeps you up at night professionally? Yeah, so, you know, that's a, a, a pretty standard question. And um, I'd like to sort of come at it this way. I think I'd like to say that I worked a lot on that in 2020. Uh, 2020 was an interesting year for in a lot of ways. And I, I what I'm going to say is that um, I think if something keeps you up at night, that's not a good thing. That means something else is out of balance. So what I sort of would like to say for a 2021 perspective is that I look at more what gets me excited in the morning. And there are a couple of challenges that get me excited. Uh, One is helping companies make the transition uh, from, you know, to being a digitally first company. Uh, And this is, and, and dealing with virtual selling. And it's not easy for a lot of our customers. It involves reimagining the interactions along the way. Um, it involves learning new motions. It involves reallocating your spend from bottom of the funnel to top of the funnel. Um, but this is particularly relevant for us at Click Dimensions, not only because of the products that we sell and the services we offer, mm-hmm. but it's true of our company. We built uh, this company through great partnerships with Microsoft Dynamics partners 
who implement uh, CRM and Salesforce automation. And their business has certainly been impacted by the inability to go meet with people. Very often folks are, are a little bit shy on replacing their entire CRM without actually meeting a human. And so uh, it's caused us to really look at how we find new uh, new leads and how we uh, how we win new business. So, in a very real sense, we are who we serve. So that um, you know, looking through the challenges, which aren't just technology, they're they are change management, sales enablement, people enablement, um, and and how to do that um, for our own company is important, and how we do it for our customers, many of whom aren't big giant companies with huge budgets, um, people who are, you know, really uh, sort of, you know, in a, in a situation where they've got to figure out this digital first to survive and they don't have uh, a ton of resources to do it. So I just, I mean, I have so much questions, so I'm just going to funnel this in. So I think what I'm hearing and where this becomes complicated when you're, you're putting something together digital first for those who really have never stepped foot in that space. And, and then you brought up an interesting point as well, where this is, right, who buys a CRM without being able to meet with the person that's going to be running the project to, to do a digital first entire transformation. And transformation can be a very big undertaking and very um, uncertain for, for many who have never gone through something like this before. And it also feels like the bar of engagement is so much higher for brands today, yet we don't have the ability to be, as you said, right, in front of somebody face-to-face um, due to the current climate. So could you share with us maybe how Click Dimensions is currently interacting with buyers or keeping the top of the funnel, if you were, will, fruitful, right? How do you keep the, that momentum going and staying relevant today when a big part of what you do and, and building that trust and being a trusted partner um, kind of has been, you know, pivoted or, or shifted to the side? Yeah. So I think... Uh... You're 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 spot on in that the bar for the bar to win people's attention is higher than it's ever been, and that that battle for that attention is fierce. People are crazy busy, trying to adapt to their businesses to the new context. They're zoomed out, running from meeting to meeting to meeting without ever getting up from their desk. Um, they're bombarded with digital messages by people who can no longer do prospecting in, purchase, in person. And, and we know that because we see our volumes way up. So that's the context that every person is dealing with. And oh, by the way, when you're selling B2B, those individuals are typically no longer in the same location with their colleagues with whom they need to make a decision whether to pursue buying uh, a product or whatever or not, that's typically, uh, you know, B2B is usually a, a group buy. So within that context, there, there are really two things that we return to. Um, and the first is we're, we're sort of lucky in that um, our business is particularly relevant to everybody right now. And we have a saying internally, we are who we serve. We take advantage of the fact that we understand that shifting to digital first and clearing that attention bar uh, is, is difficult. So we say, imagine if you are in that context, and it's easier for us to do because we are in that context. The second thing that we try and do um, to overcome that sort of uh, higher bar for attention is that we really specifically and consciously try to add value in each interaction. That sounds sort of... Uh, 
you know, uh, cliche. Yeah, you're right. Like everyone, add value, add value. I think we hear it all the time as marketers, as as sales. Add value, add value. So I think there there are a couple things that we do in that, and it's every interaction, whether it's digital, whether it's humid, whether it's hybrid, and that's that's very important. The you know the human followed up with the digital assets are, is super important right now. Is we train all of our people on um, Jill Conrath's snap rules. And we really focus atomically on each interaction. Yes, we string them together in a coherent conversation, but we really focus atomically on each interaction. Make it simple. Make sure that you or your company are invaluable to the person on the other line. Um, again, you got to do this in your short time, simple, uh, concise uh, sort of message that you're trying to communicate, align with the objectives of the person that you're dealing with, and then find a way to try and make uh, interacting with us a priority. So, you know, simple, this is, you know, SNAP, S-N-A-P, simple, invaluable, align, and priority. We try and make every digital and every human interaction that way. So those, that's, um, um, that just keeps us focused, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge. I like that, the SNAP. And I, I think, Right, I can see the focus, but then then that starts getting me thinking about right. If we think about an organization, you have all sorts of roles and experiences, and prior to 2020, and I mean, even with if you look even at marketing, right, how much marketing technology has changed and the role of marketing in general. You know, do marketers need to be more technical or should they be more creative? In your opinion, what do you think is the best way to teach? I, I won't say old folks, but folks. Uh, new tricks, if you will, to optimize their current and old technology, but also to stay relevant, right? We're talking about that, um, you know, bringing kind of that fine balance between digital and human interaction. How can you teach teach folks how to how to do and use these new new pieces of technology? Yeah, well, it's it, the new pieces of technology is one part, and I'll get to that in a second. But I think the, the more difficult thing is I, I I believe and we believe as a company very strongly that um, one of the key things that has to happen uh, in this moment is that you can't think of sales and marketing as two uh, aligned units. You really have to think about unified sales and marketing because the person on the other end doesn't care that marketing is thinking this and the salesperson is thinking that. Um, they're dealing with one, one company. Um, and that's really hard because uh, budgets and uh, professional development and turf wars have uh, built up. And I think that's a, a false context or, you know, false narrative when people say we want to align sales and marketing. I, we really believe that you got to unify sales and marketing behind what the interactions of the customer journey. So within that context, how do you go about um, teaching people that mindset and how do you teach them the um, the technology? Yeah. And it's, <laughs> we, again, we get kind of, we're lucky because, um, of the space that we're in. If we were selling hospital software, uh, great business, but, but that's not ours. We wouldn't have the ability to do what I'm about to say, which is every person that we interact with is a digital consumer in their private life. So we can always connect back to something that they bought recently or a great experience they have, something that they did with Amazon and how that experience went and, and why they chose this thing versus that thing. and um, and when did they? When were they first aware of it? And so we can we can go back to uh, their their 
digital consumer experience and say, now imagine if you could do those same things to a business and what's different about B2C than, than selling to a business. And that, that's a really easy way to get into the conversation. And pretty quickly, you know, you can find uh, with everybody digital experiences that were fantastic and ones just absolutely sucked. <laughs> totally, totally. And, and kind of speaking of the, you know, you spoke skill set, mindset, tool set, and I'm thinking of, of the employees um, of Clips I mentioned, and I think you guys do this really well. You guys are a very well-oiled machine, very um, large, and we get uh, the privilege to work with a number of your employees. But how, how are you keeping your current teams uh, productive? And can you share some words of wisdom out there for us um, marketing and sales leaders listening in when it comes to driving highly effective and productive remote teams. And I, and I think if I remember correctly, you can keep me honest, when we would visit your offices in Atlanta, it was a really interesting then before pandemic setup that you had almost already a hybrid model in place. Um, could you talk a little bit about that and maybe give some words of wisdom to, to those listening in to keeping teams productive? Yeah. Um, so I think there are uh, a couple things that, that we've done. Uh, some I think we were lucky enough to start before the pandemic um, and some that uh, we've really, you know, sort of adapted as we, uh, as we, you know, have, have uh, endured, um, endured this. Um, So one of the things that we really, um, you know, followed is uh, there's sort of a, a a recipe that uh, Patrick Lencioni who wrote, uh, five dysfunctions of a team, death by meeting, and a bunch of stuff. He wrote a book called The Advantage, and had, you know talks about four disciplines for creating a healthy organization. And they are pretty simple: you know, create a cohesive executive team, uh, create clarity, over communicate clarity, and reinforce that clarity. And the clarity is around things like what's our purpose, what do we do, uh, how are we going to succeed in the market, what's most important right now, and who does what. Uh, and how do we behave amongst each other? Um, and so we had really started uh, driving those things into the business uh, as we were, you know, getting through the second half of 2019. And as the pandemic came along, we said, you know, wow, this is a, a pretty serious thing. And then back in March of last year, um, you know, it wasn't clear was the banking system going to shut down? Was you know what was going to happen? And and um, uh, we really concentrated on, on, uh, you know, bringing the company together and the health of the company. And we said, that's what we're going to do. We're going to protect the health of the company and protect your futures, um, you know, as number one. And then as, uh, things came out of that, um, you know, we, I remember distinctly, we went from the, uh, having an, an internal meeting where I said, look, we're, we're, we're past the adrenaline phase and we're about to get into the fatigue and the mental health phase. And that was last, you know, last May. <laughs> and I don't think we, we realized that it would be, um, uh, it would be this long. Um, but, uh, um, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad we did. So there, there are things that we've, we've done, um, you know, particularly, you know, when I think about our sales organization, we really focus on our one-on-one meetings. We make people use the video. Now everybody's comfortable doing that. We do team meetings uh, regularly. Uh, we get people to do presentations. Um, people like to, um, I mean, first of all, it, it gives them something to focus on other than stuff that's scary out in the real world. 
and it gives them a spotlight and they get to be on TV. And uh, so we do that. And then we try and find a couple of fun things here and there. I like that. I like that. Maybe we'll bring that to Octopus to see how see how our CEO Daniel <laughs> wants to have some of that. But I think that's a great idea. And I think just uh, keeping conscious of the time and, you know, you had me peak with the underwear story. So my last question for you today um, is one that we ask every guest again, because it's interesting, right? We can find so much about you, Mike, on Google, on LinkedIn. We can see your achievements, accomplishments, your background. Um, it's pretty powerful stuff. And I was hoping that today you might be able to share something about yourself that we are not able to learn from your LinkedIn profile or the millions of podcasts, blogs, articles, or everything else that I did my due diligence before this episode. Um, if you could share with us today. Well, uh, okay. So, uh, <laughs> right. well, I'll go, I'll go back to the first question you asked um, okay. <laughs> about, about the underwear. I once owned 6 million pair of underwear. Six million, like you had six million pairs of underwear. <laughs> how how did that happen? <laughs> so um, the first serious company I started was in college, and uh, uh, we uh, made apparel with pro sports teams and college logos on it. And our first product was men's boxer shorts. This was in the um, mid to late eighties, okay. and it was a fad, and it took off, and that ultimately led me to click dimensions in this way. Uh, as I was uh, in the last years of that company before I sold it, um, so this would have been 97, 98, I uh, started to get fascinated by this e-commerce thing. We had stores that we sold to all over the country, but uh, you know, University of Michigan bookstore was where you would sell University of Michigan apparel. But there were lots of Wolverine alumni that lived all over the place. And if you could figure out how to get to them without having to go to Ann Arbor, that would be really interesting. So this internet sounded pretty, pretty cool. And uh, so I started uh, researching and investing and had uh, uh, a team all lined up to uh, spend over a million dollars building an e-commerce site so that we could sell alumni paraphernalia and see if we could sell online. Back then, we had no idea yeah, whether- the 80s, uh, that's like very ahead no, of the time. <laughs> no, no, this would, this would have been, nine, this was 97. 97, so, okay. <laughs> yeah. And um, so uh, then um, just as we're about ready to push this project to go, uh, some people that I knew came to me and said, there's a company called Fig Leaves that is uh, raising money to sell underwear on the internet. They believe, I think Amazon had just started, they said, you know, books and, you know, underwear, everybody needs underwear and everybody knows their size and this is going to work. And I thought, wow, it's a lot cheaper for me to invest in this company than spend a million dollars and maybe fail on my own. So I invested a small amount of money in a company called Fig Leaves and the chief operating officer of that company was a lady named Rachel Spasser who is now a managing director at Excel KKR. And she was the, the lady that uh, recruited me to come, uh, you know, run Click Dimensions. Would you look at that? <laughs> small world. That's Very a small world. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story. Um, 
And I, I definitely would have never guessed that you had owned at one point six million pairs of underwear. Um, do you, my, my next one, do you have any left, or are they all sold out? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I have some. I sold the business, um, so I'm no longer involved. You know, I'm on some of the original historical literature. The company's still doing very well, and my wife uh, is. It's now a division of a larger company, and my wife is the uh, number two executive at that company. So um, she's but- been working there for. <laughs> you know, close to 30 years. That's fantastic. Mike, thank you so much. Um, I wish you much health and I wish Click Dimensions a super successful 2021 and I'm sure we'll we'll cross paths again. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. Thanks for tuning in to the Radically Transparent podcast brought to you by Octopus, the only social media management and employee advocacy platform architected for B2B. I'm Jennifer Gutman, your host and director of social strategy here at Octopus. And if you love today's show, we'd love if you subscribe, rate, and give a raving review wherever you get your podcasts. For more discussion on B2B social media marketing, be sure to follow Octopost on LinkedIn. And of course, to gain access to all our free social media marketing and employee advocacy resources, head on over to our website, www.octopost.com. Until next time.